Welcome to WDFG, broadcasting Dear Final Girl, the advice and horror podcast where we dish on life and other scary movies. Every final girl has a story. So does her Jason, her Freddy, her Michael. So do we horror fans. This episode is part of our adjunct series, Origin Stories, where horror fans recount the horror movie memories that made them who they are today. Hi, I'm Jimmy Detroit. I'm here on Dear Final Girl because Laura and Tamara asked me to talk about the first horror movie I watched. So this is my mutant origin story. The first horror movie that I saw was the 1931 Bela Lugosi Todd Browning Dracula. Todd Browning directed the movie and he also went on to direct a movie called Freaks that if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. So anyway, I'm coming through the TV listings on a Saturday. I'm like six. And I see that Dracula is going to show on Nightmare Theater. And I say, you know, something out loud and there's some discussion going on. My parents are talking about how they saw it when they were kids. And, and so I ask, can I stay up late to watch this? Nightmare Theater was on really late. So we'd have the 10 o'clock news and then the late show would start at 1030. And then after that, uh, like 1231 a.m., Nightmare Theater would start. But they said yes, they were cool with it. So one of my older brothers and I stayed up late to watch Nightmare Theater that night. Nightmare Theater, it was hosted by a guy named Jack Dublon, who played this character, Dr. Cadaverino. And he had a sidekick named Igor, who was headless. Cadaverino was... He'd wear a bowler and he wore a, a sport jacket that had all kinds of pins on it from rock and roll bands and political stuff and just all kinds of stuff on there. And he uh, hated the audience. He hated the movies. He hated everything. Jack Dublon also was the host of the weekday morning kitty cartoon show, Cartoon Capers. And he also played Albert the Alley Cat, who was a puppet who did the weather forecast at 5 and 10 p.m. on a local news channel. Anyway, so I, like, we're going to watch um, Dracula that night, and I'm really excited, really full of anticipation. And I've seen pictures of Bela Lugosi, you know, with his, you know, black suit and white shirt and his you know, hair kind of slicked back all cool. And back then also on TV and friends of my parents and everyone, doing impressions of Bela Lugosi as Dracula was an easy way to get a cheap laugh. Everyone was doing the, I want to bite your neck and drink your blood line, right? But sometimes the weird thing was when one of my parents' friends did that and they were just a little too believable, when I was lying awake at night getting ready to fall asleep, I would start to wonder whether or not that guy actually was a vampire. So my brother Ed and I uh, stay up late to, to watch Dracula Nightmare Theater. And I'm wondering, what are we going to see? Are we going to see him bite somebody in the neck? Are we going to see him drink their blood? Are we what? But at the same time, I'm really kind of nervous and afraid of watching him bite people and drink their blood. The ultimate conclusion to this story is really anticlimactic because I fell asleep less than halfway into the movie. I didn't see any action at all. 
But staying up that night to watch Nightmare Theater and just that excitement of, you know, wanting to see Dracula and all that, that really kind of struck a nerve in me. So then I started staying up late every Saturday night trying to watch all of Nightmare Theater. And eventually I saw the entire Dracula movie, you know, Frankenstein, Werewolf, The Mummy, you know, all of those kind of classic monsters. They also showed a lot of Hammer horror movies. And so I'd see, you know, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in those Hammer vampire movies. My parents, they liked public libraries a lot. And they made all of us kids have our own library cards for the public library. My mom would actually check out books on our library cards. She was a voracious reader. So somebody checked out what was like a coffee table book about horror movies, and it had stills from a lot of different movies. And I was cool with the pictures of Dracula and Frankenstein and all of that. But when we started getting into the Hammer horror movies, and particularly they had a lot of pictures of the movie Vampire Circus, those were really freaking me out. And especially because Vampire Circus was quote unquote banned from release back then. They got banned from release, by the way, because, you know, they do things like kill children in that movie. And it's on Shudder. So I'm going through this book on the couch and my mom is sitting next to me and she takes an interest and she wants to kind of thumb through the book with me and talk about the pictures and go through it with me. What it didn't figure out until many, many, many years later that what mom was doing was she was basically just helping me be brave while I was going through that book. My older brothers would have had a field day if I showed any fear. And so she was right there helping me out. And I think that was incredibly sweet of her. But anyway, so staying up late to watch Dracula that night just felt really cool. And so I, you know, really it bit the horror bug and I became a, a horror fan for life. That's where I became a mutant. Living out here in LA, I get to relive my childhood all the time. The theaters out here will screen classic horror movies. We have premieres for independent horror movies and the Pasaska sisters out here. There are, are festivals. So like uh, Fangoria Magazine did one last summer on top of the roof of the Monobon Theater where they showed several movies, like including Sleepaway Camp. Everyone there, it was like we were all part of the same tribe. No introductions were needed. And so it was just, we were all fun family. It was really cool. At that, I met Lynn Shay. So again, it's just, you know, sort of, you know, the, the fun of being a horror fan here. So anyway, yeah, so that's why I love it. Um, I subscribe to Shudder. I now watch Shudder more than I watch Netflix. Other than that, back to you, Laura and Tamara. But, yeah. <laughs> well, we're starting. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Oh. Great story, Jimmy. Oh, so good. So good. So many great things in that. Jimmy Detroit is one of my favorite humans. Aw. I hope that we get to meet in person one day. <laughs> but he doesn't like to leave his little L.A. enclave. Mm-hmm. And going to L.A. sounds super stressful to me. So, you know, oh. I don't know. I don't know what will happen, but we will continue to be. Part of one another's tribes, at the very least, on Twitter. Um, So, yeah, Jimmy submitted one of the first 
origin stories. <laughs> so his has actually been in the can for quite some time. Oh, good. And it kind of evolved in terms of what I was going to do with these and how to feature them. Originally, right. it was right. to put them on my own personal website. <laughs> and then <clears throat> in written form, and then as Dear Final Girl started kicking off, I thought, wow, what a great, what a great, companion series what a great part of what we're doing to have people record and just make this an ongoing feature and let them speak for themselves absolutely especially because um it's so hard for people who don't consider themselves as writers and for writers as well Mm -hmm. to sort of put into words you know, an origin story or a origin story like this. So yeah. um, thank you, Jimmy, for uh, doing this. And judging from our notes, there was a lot of revision. Yeah, he, he, he Jimmy is a writer. Okay. So it was something he felt very comfortable with. He actually submitted it in written form first. Uh-huh. And then as the concept evolved, I said, would you mind recording right. it? Which he did. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um so yeah, tons, tons of stuff here. Um, Nineteen thirty-one Dracula. I mean that that is that is a classic. Uh-huh. I have only seen it in bits and pieces, but it is on my list because I don't know. Well, we do know when this is this episode will air, but I'm just not looking it up right now. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, Night of the Horror File. Um, which we we consider sort of our psychic horror companion podcast, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they do us as well, which is really nice. Um, they just did an episode on 1931 Dracula. Oh, really? So okay. yeah, definitely want to link those two when we socialize this. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I love the Saturday looking thumbing through the Saturday TV through mm-hmm. the TV listings mm-hmm. oh my gosh at age the TV six. guide yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, I love that I love the depth that Jimmy goes into about the characters that make up nightmare theater oh I uh, love that too this Jack Dublon as Cadaverino Dr. Cadaverino Dr. Cadaverino who hated everything but what's super interesting is like how local TV worked in those days. Dr. Cadaverino was also also the guy who did the cartoon capers, who was also the puppeteer for the weather. Like right. which who knew? <laughs> weather and puppets. Who um, knew you yeah, needed that? Although that's quite great. frankly, it would almost be preferable to some of the some of the human puppets that are yes, out there now yes mm. i would agree yeah <laughs> throwing shade on weather people I know. like <laughs> Ooh, throwing partly cloudy <laughs> on those weather people yeah. that's what i'm gonna Sounds say like mostly cloudy from this yeah um, but it kind of speaks to being in certain professions and how you have to do everything. Yeah, yeah. You you don't you're not just one function to make those local stations work. You just have to right. do a lot of different jobs. That's I, I don't think that's I, that that obviously still goes on now. People choose that kind of thing. People do a collection of side hustles yeah. to basically you know have a 
a full life. A full yeah. life. Sometimes a full paycheck. And a full and sometimes a full paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that also, especially with the the origin of a lot of these horror hosts, is that channels were just looking for content. Uh-huh. They needed to fill airtime. Right. And I guess the rights to a lot of these old movies started becoming available, yeah. and they just started getting all these movies yeah. and showing them, and they needed a way to package them. And that's really a, right. a very Cliff Notes version of the origin of the horror host. Right. Huh. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the the characters themselves, the, the actors themselves can make their own character as right. creepy or as curmudgeonly as apparently Dr. Cadaverino got to be. Um, I also really like how Jimmy points out that, you know, he didn't seem all that scared of Dracula. Like, it, it didn't keep him awake, right? Um, but what was scary was the friend of the family who could do that so convincingly. And I, uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about this on a recent episode of the call coming from inside the house. Yes. Like, and that is, especially with the vampire lore, this friend of the family is somebody that your parents have invited into the house. He can get into the house Which whenever he wants. Which is how vampires get uh-huh, in. You uh-huh. have to invite them in. <laughs> uh, have, I ever, have I ever told you about when I read Salem's Lot? I don't think so. I was like 15 years old. Most of the story didn't scare me. I had read a lot of Stephen King by that point. And um, for whatever reason, it was like a... I think it was a, it was a stormy night. And I like I often did as a teenager, stayed up way too late, probably two or three in the morning reading this book because it was like, well, you got to get, got to get to the end of it. Now you have to. So I finished the book and I don't remember Salem's Lot being like a particularly wrapped up, neat little bow ending, but I heard the wind was rattling my window and I just hid under the covers. 15, 16 year old, woman you know young woman <laughs> teenager head under the covers and i yelled no you cannot come in <laughs> just in case let it be known. just in case i it, want you to know <laughs> i have extended no invitation to you. Right. and you should not interpret the act of me reading a book about you as some sort of implied invitation yeah no no oh i love that so much and i do i'm so glad you brought up the whole calls coming from inside the house because when he talked about it's like i want to coin a new term like like overheard horror or uh-huh, something uh-huh. like that because that is one of my first memories of something scaring me which I've said on probably mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. than one episode is overhearing that very snippet from a TV in the next room a six-year-old lying in my bed you think do you think it was the same like late night no well 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 let me make was sure it I know a, what you was it was it wouldn't have been specifically nightmare theater but do you think it was a late night horror show? I never thought about that before. Or was it just on the TV? I really don't know. Huh. I care about that so much I would be willing to do some research <laughs> to find out <laughs> okay. Okay. if that was true. But I love that that just the mere act of 
hearing some things, especially when you are a very young child, uh-huh. can scare the hell out of you. Well, and there is this thing about childhood, too, where you are, most of us anyways, are alone in our bedroom for half of our lives as children. Yeah. And I remember having a particularly hard time falling to, falling asleep and staying asleep. And part of that was that I could hear everything that was going on in the rest of the house. Oh, wow. So, like, I could hear bowls of ice cream being made or popcorn <laughs> being popped. And, like, I always thought that everybody was downstairs having a party without me. Um, <laughs> no matter what. They're yeah. having fun and I'm not. Right. Um and I think that for me, when I got old enough to start reading and it was okay for me to be up in my room reading, uh, even if I wasn't sleeping, that that kind of like sort of helped that insomnia a little bit. And I too, Jimmy, I too had a mother who was obsessed with the public library. Um, when I was a kid, in the summertime, if you read enough books for the uh, summer readathon, you would get a coupon for a personal pan pizza from Pizza <gasps> Hut. And God, I think oh, it was called Book It. Can we still do that now? Because I still I'll love you- personal pan pizzas from <laughs> Pizza Hut. I'm actually, I, like to me, that just sounds like completely magical and something I would want. <laughs> So I'm I'm total sidebar, but I am currently reading my best friend's exorcism by Grady Hendrix, and I am reading it with Robin and Kim on Twitter. A little mutant book club. We're doing our little little private book club, and yeah, it, it feels it feels really cool. But I I yeah I love the idea. Yeah, the the incentive is always nice, especially when you're a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that what Jimmy points out with the with the library is having, you know, okay. So they brought home all of these books, and there uh, amongst those was a coffee table book, which I love that um, libraries invest in coffee coffee table books. Um, I don't know what the Hammer Vampire movies are. I'm not incredibly... I I almost don't even want to say this. Now, I have seen Vampire Circus. As a matter of fact, I live-watched it on Twitter with Jimmy and Chad Rommel one night. Uh And it is an awesome movie. Really? It's just super cheesy from the 60s. But I think with the Hammer films, that's where you get... um, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, I believe, and honestly, I learned this again, I think from Night of the Horrorphile, it was really Hammer trying to do with the monster movies what Universal had done, Uh, like back in the 30s and the 40s, I think. Um, Hammer being the British, you know, kind of the, being being from the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so they they did their own take. And a lot of times, I, I think the general read is that Hammer went a little a little cheesier in general. Their stuff was campier. 
Now, one could argue, if you go back and even look at those original Universal classics like Dracula, Werewolf, the Frankenstein, mm-hmm. that it's like, with today's sensibilities, you might see those as campy too, but they weren't necessarily trying to be. Right, right. They were yeah. trying um, to... <laughs> they were in earnest. Yeah, in earnest while also, let's make some money, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but what I love from this is the the fact that mom and dad were uh, sort of Sherpas on this journey. Oh my God, horror Sherpa. <laughs> horror Sherpa. Um, you know, they were guides. They were, um, if, if Sherpa, I don't know, is Sherpa canceled? Um, <laughs> Lauren gives me a look every time that I say... I think that something's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> that look was just like, shut up. It's um, because I'm older and that would just piss me off. Right, right. But anyway, but I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, to be, to be a guide for mom to sit there and look at these things and basically say, it's not scary. It, or it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be frightening. And these things are safe to look at. And, you know, letting the kids stay up late to watch Dracula. Um, Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of real... I'm sure that there are parents, people out there, some of them not even parents, who would say, and probably nobody in this community, but there are lots of people out there who say who would say exposing children to scary things is just bringing trauma upon the children. And well, then you should never have children. Right. Because life is scary. Life life is scary and (laughs) life is traumatic. But, um, I think that being a guide through the scary things can really help your children understand okay, there are real things in this world and there are fake things in this world. There are, you know, there's a real world and a fantasy world and the fantasy world might be scary, but we can, we can look at that and it can help us deal with the real scary things in the world, like the, the scary real things in the world. Absolutely. And it makes, I, I will absolutely have a follow-up conversation with him. I'd like to get more detail about if he can remember like the kinds of things that his mother said, uh-huh. like how much did she talk about real danger versus, you know, fictional mm-hmm. danger. I love what he said that my mom, you know, I real I realized looking back my mom was helping me be brave by going through that book with me. Uh-huh. And see that creates a very different kind of experience than having older siblings who would tease you for being scared because, you know, you're the younger one and Mm -hmm. they're just going to torment you every chance that they get, probably. Right. Um, That can create very different horror experiences for people because my friend Janice told me about her, she had... One older brother. I think one of her brothers is younger. Mm-hmm. Anyway, older brother, when they were a kid, I think 
he showed her this movie, The Tingler, which was really cheesy. It had Vincent Price in it. And it was one of those ones where they do all that promotional advertising like, you may wish to take out... Actually, that was Macabre. There was another cheesy movie called Macabre, which I actually just saw a couple weekends ago at the local Full Moon Cineplex. It was those movies, the way they promoted them in the 50s, of like, you may wish to take out a life insurance policy in the event that you are scared <laughs> to death by this film. And our agent <sighs> happens to be in the lobby right now, so yes. sign up now. You have five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that Janice's older brother showed her The Tingler, Her response as a child was, that is what made me not want to watch horror Uh movies. uh Whereas there's this whole other group of us that are like, that is what made me want to Uh watch horror movies. Uh So it would be really interesting to explore that. I wonder if there's something about the, like, thrill seeker. uh, Oh, maybe. Like, you know, I love roller coasters. I went to just Dollywood with my company. We were there from, you know, opening, which was like maybe 9 30, 10 o'clock in the morning until maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I lost my voice by noon, just screaming my ass off on, when on was the this? roller coasters. Um,. Uh, last fall. So oh my god, I love ago. that so much. Yeah, so like six months ago. Uh, no, more than six months ago. Still, yeah. still, this is recent. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I well, absolutely love well, that. Well, because we had gone to a couple of things. Like, uh, my company loves to go to um, amusement parks, and two out of the three times we've gone to amusement or water parks, I've been pregnant. And I'm like, I hate you guys so much. <laughs> like, like, why? I just want, I don't want to be in the lazy river. <laughs> oh, my please? gosh. But you I, said, I mean, when I, you said water port, park, maybe for some reason I heard the word waterboard, and I don't. Uh, no, no, no waterboarding. Why. There's no waterboarding. But I, I think that parks. there's, so I love haunted houses. But they scare the shit out of me, me to think about going to them. Mm-hmm. And I am like, I dive in head first, gonna scream my ass off the whole time. Yep. Like, I, I love that being scared because, because that sort of adrenaline junkie thing, it's a, it's a safe thing. Mm-hmm. Although I have been, I was on a haunted hayride once and the guy with the... Uh, chainsaw touched me with the chainsaw and oh, I like, turned and I, I think I was 17 years old and I turned and looked at him and I was like that is against the rules <laughs> you are not allowed to touch me <laughs> like, yeah because you need to they need to be really careful with that kind of thing boundaries boundaries people <laughs> okay I even though I'm a little off topic here I have to recount a completely horror quasi haunted house experience go on once again my friend janice who Mm -hmm. i've known now for over 20 years we went somewhere in alabama to go to the to tour these caverns Uh uh-huh we got there early we had like an hour to kill and or maybe a little bit more like what are we gonna do 
We're like, didn't we pass like an old sawmill or gristmill or whatever that looked like it was open for tours? Let's just like drive back there and just kill some time and check it out. God, this sounds like the start to a horror movie. Oh my God. So we go and they let us just kind of walk around it. Well, they were planning to do, it was that time of year, it was close to Halloween, <laughs> right. which for me, that's just right. that, that time of year, that right. can only mean Halloween. <laughs> it was uh, the holidays. It was the, it was our spirit, it was our, yeah, our holy, high holy <laughs> yeah. holiday of Halloween. Yeah. And they were going to be doing a haunted house at this old mill. They didn't tell us that ahead of time. So as I start exploring other parts of the mill, I'm seeing that they've got their decorations up. You know, some of it's cheesy, whatever. But imagine, and in the daylight, it's even more disturbing. Uh -uh, uh -uh. I walk into this bathroom, which they have splattered with red paint. Oh, Jesus Christ. And they have red splattered random baby doll parts all over this fucking bathroom, including, I'm pretty sure, unless my brain just made this up, like a doll head in the toilet. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that sounds about right. And... We have talked about that so many times. Oh, there was something so that awful. was so disturbing, especially mm. seeing that in the daylight. Oh yeah, yeah. And but that's like one of my awesome, most awesome memories. <laughs> I love that oh, we. Oh god. I love that. So kind of speaking of memories, and I kind of <laughs> want to tie in yeah. tradition. Ah. So I love it that. You know, Jimmy is both excited but scared. He's scared and excited. You've right. got like this, both of these states happening at the same time. I love the fact that the first time he saw Nightmare Theater, it was by permission. Someone, you know, older parents uh -huh. needed to say yes. And so in a way, they were horror Sherpas for him. Yeah. Well, they were. Then after that, he was the one making a point. I'm going to keep doing this. And I'm going to be able to stay awake through this whole thing. So he continued the tradition uh -huh. by his own choice. Uh -huh. And I think that's really important. I think that's something that's common to um, a lot of us horror fans. Because it's generally, especially since so many of us were exposed to horror films at an early age, someone is doing that. Someone older, parent older sibling, friend. Kid from the neighborhood. Whatever, yeah, kid yeah. from the neighborhood. And then we, if we continue to be horror fans for life, which he did, um, we then we take ownership of that. Uh -huh. And we're like, ooh, you know, we want more of this. And you find ways to guide your own experience, to find others who, or you just kind of happen upon others who can like help you see the thing that maybe you can't see at home or right, whatever. Right, right, And I just, I loved what he said. You know, it's like finding, finding your tribe. And in LA, which is like a, this great environment for, um, for horror fans, so many things going on. You know, you go to these events and you just, you're automatically speaking the same language. Right. And you mm -hmm. don't have to explain yourself and you just are there together. And that's, that's really cool. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, well, yeah, thank you, Jimmy. Any, yeah. any other closing thoughts? No, just that I, I, I understand falling asleep partially through the movie. <laughs> I like... I, I I get it. Even like even something that you really want to watch. Yeah. Like, ugh. 
Oh, the last thing actually that I that I wanted to mention is that in asking his parents, can I stay up and watch this movie? He was tapping in. It activated their own nostalgia uh-huh. about seeing these films originally when they were kids. Right. And I think there's something very pure and cool and good about that. Of course, we know there's there's also, you know, our culture finds a way to market off of that. Like everything right. that was like a toy or a thing when we were kids is like big now. Like that's like why the 80s are so right. 80s are so big now. Mm-hmm. It's like they're really marketing in part to those of us who grew up. Yeah. During the 80s, but then there's this whole new generation of kids who not only do they like stranger things, but they want to go back and they want to see those original films mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. how we keep this thing going. Yeah. It's how we keep the terror train going. <laughs> film reference. Choo choo. Random film reference, but yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much, Jimmy. We absolutely loved your origin story. Yeah, that was a lot of fun and um, cool. Yeah, stay spooky. Yeah. I want to drunk, drink your blood. Yes, but I never drink vine. <laughs> That's what Dracula says. Okay. Is it. I always thought it was, I want to suck your blood. Something like that. Maybe. Okay. That's what we always said as a kid, but I don't think I've ever seen Dracula. I want to suck your blood. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. Thank you so much. Stay safe out there. Bye. Bye. We're turtlenecks. (laughs) Tune in next time for another origin story from your horror community. Till next time, this is Dear Final Girl. Remember, stay alive out there.